0: Today, God, we thank you for your greatness and your goodness. Bless us today as we hear the word of God about the armor of the Lord. We love you and give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Turn in your Bibles with me to the book of Ephesians. I will be in Ephesians chapter six, and I'm going to read verses thirteen through seventeen. I haven't seen my friend Kevin in a long time, and I'll just well, we were in communication just within the last week about another matter, and um, but he and his wife They're here today. So I want to thank the Lord for that. Brother Kevin, I also want you to know that there was a person when I went to my high school reunion on the 7th of September. One of the individuals that were there, my teacher said, I remember that preacher said, I know they love each other. (laughs) She remembered that. (laughs) My phone bill tells me (laughs) that they love each other. (laughs) <laughs> that to you, remember that that, that phrase has been remembered. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 6, verses 13 through 17 is what I'm going to read. Ephesians 6, 13 through 17. And this is what it says. I'll be reading from the ESV. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day And having done all to stand firm, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. I want to again bring you back to the topic that we preached from before, part two. You will be defeated if you do not put on the right armor. You will be defeated if you do not... Put on the right armor, part two. The three points that I gave you last time, before going to point four today, it was your strength comes from being in Christ. That was the first point that we made the last time. Your strength comes from being in Christ. And that was primarily taken from Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Uh, the second point that we mentioned last time was do not go out half dressed. Do not go out half dressed. Primarily taken from Ephesians chapter 6 verse 11. And third, you must know your enemy. You must know your enemy, 612. Point number four, as we come to this message today, is strap on your armor. Strap on your armor. I going to do more teaching today. That's, at least that's the, the goal or plan at this time. The word standing has been mentioned two times before in verses 11 and verse 13. Strap on your armor is the title, is the uh, point four. Standing has been mentioned twice before. Now in verse number 14, the standing is given more in the context of what we would call an imperative, a command. In the previous two stands, there was preparation that was being made. Now that preparation has been completed. And now what one needs to do is to take a stand. You know that when you prepare and you make preparation, then there comes the important aspect of then taking a stand to do the very thing for which you have prepared. Standing has been a theme of Paul. I'm going to ask a couple of people to get some verses for me, Sister Michelle, would you please get Second Thessalonians chapter two, verse fifteen? Pastor Ronnie, would you get Philippians four, one? Sister Mayor, would you get Galatians chapter three? Excuse me, Galatians chapter five, verse one. This deals with Paul in this matter of standing. Second Thessalonians chapter two, verse fifteen. One second, and because I'm recording, I want you actually to read it into the mic. So then, brethren, stand firm and hold to the traditions which you were taught, whether by word of mouth or by letter from us. That word stand. Okay, next. Philippians 4.1 Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. Thank you. And will you please come and read Galatians 5.1. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm therefore and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. All right, thank you. Others get ready. If I have others that I feel led to give you, I'm gonna call others that to to do reading. Paul Paul's challenge to people and to the church was that there needed to be a stance. A standing, because one needs to understand that there is going to be opposition that comes your way. In order to make preparation, there's not only preparation for that which is to come, but there has to be preparation for the fact that you need to stand your ground. When Paul talks about armor, we gave the word the last time, panoply. Panoply means armor. Panoply means armor. It should be noted that the armor was mentioned actually in verse number 11. He mentioned armor back then. And what follows now is the decision that one actually has previously made. The fact of the matter that the armor has been mentioned. Now the individual pieces that one needs to strap on after you have already declared that you are going to stand now you need to strap it on. When you have made resolution in your mind, some of you, you have said, I'm going to do this. And then you become resolute in then making preparation to do the very thing for which you have just said you're going to do. Some of you have made decisions that I'm going to go back to school and get this degree. And then you become resolute and getting the information that you need in order to move forward. So Paul has already said, put on the whole armor of God. Now that you had already decided back then to do it, now you need to move forward and do the very thing that you committed to. I recall David, when he heard Goliath coming against the men, the children of Israel, the army of the Almighty God. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? That was a put-down. That was the the cuss. It was a put-down, y'all. Once David had found out and had been, and had settled in his mind that this was not right, he said he shouldn't do it. I'm willing to go to battle with him because I come in the name of the Lord. He took a stand. And when he took the stand and got permission from the king, even though the king tried to give him his armor, his armor wouldn't work on David. You cannot put on somebody else's armor. Some of you are trying to put on other people's armor. Armor. You're trying to do it. You're trying to do it. And you're wondering how come it doesn't fit and how come it's causing you such a problem. Why? Because you're trying to put on other people's armor. The armor that you need to put on is right here. And it's listed for you. When David got word that he could go, David then pulled off of Saul's armor when he tried to put it on. He said, I can't fight in this. And he went out and said... I'm going to go and fight against this Philistine. And the Bible said that he picked up five stones. Five smooth stones. David had taken a stand. And you need to understand and know that when you go in the name of the Lord and the Lord is fighting your battle, you can stand. The four participles... Having, that you look in the verses, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having put on the shoes, and having taken up the shield. When you look at these four principles after the belt of truth, the decision, as I mentioned, Has already been made, and now you have taken your stand and you arm yourselves. In other words, having taken your stand, he says, Now, as as you had already taken your stand to put on the armor, he says, Now, after having done this, you're doing all of these things. It's because determination has been made. So, this armor comes from not wavering about what you have to put on. You're not putting on the armor and says, Well, I guess I got to go to battle now. Let me put on my shoes. Lord knows I don't want to go. God knows we're not going to win this battle. We might as well go out and die with Jesus because he's not going to make it. And since we're with him, we're not going to make it. Let me go and put on this here. Let's go and die. No, you made resolution. You made a statement of absoluteness that you're taking a stand because you know the victory is already won. So making the determination and these participles, having made that decision, now you're strapping it on, and you're strapping on the armor with confidence. Why? Because it's now confirming what you have already said before, we're going to go to battle, and what you have done, you now have taken resolution, you've taken a stand to say... I'm going to do it, and now you do it in the strength of the Lord. Isn't it wonderful that when you do something for God, you can go out and move forward with confidence? Rather than going, oh, I don't know. You can defeat and destroy the confidence of those around you. So you have to go with the determination that God says we can do it, and he's told us what we need to do. The belt of truth. The first piece of armor that is mentioned, the belt of truth, it often may have referred to an apron that was hung underneath the armor to protect the thighs. See, there was an armor, an apron, and it's believed that the thighs would be be damaged. And so this belt of truth would help to be a protection for the thighs. The idea here is that you need this because... The fight is going to be so close and personal, you're going to be in close proximity to your enemy that you have to be protected. This is not a fight where you are hiding behind rocks and throwing at people. You are going to be in hand-to-hand combat and therefore this armor is to protect you in the close fighting that has to take place. So this belt that you put on yourself one to wear, it is to protect. Paul's language that he uses here it refers back to what's called the Septuagint, the LXX, of seventy those who helped to write the what's called the Greek translation of the Hebrew Scriptures. It comes from Isaiah chapter 11, regarding the Messiah. With righteousness, he shall be girded around his waist. Someone quickly find Isaiah chapter 11. Verses four and five. And as you say it, I'm going to repeat it as you read it. Whoever finds it first, Isaiah 11, verses four and five. Please read it. Okay, brother Kevin, go ahead. Chapter 11, verses four and five. But with righteousness shall he judge before and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips. Shall he slay the wicked? Thank you. Someone please find for me. Yes. That's not four. That's not five. That's only four. Three, five, two. And righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins, and faithfulness the girdle of his reign. Oftentimes when it speaks of the girdle, it's something that protects. That's in there. It's in there. It's in the word. Right there. All right. <laughs> you don't know, want to skip right on over there. All right, let's move on. <laughs> Messiah with righteousness, he shall be girded around his waist. The truth refers to God's truth in his word. It is never your truth that is being relied upon. The fact that Isaiah mentions, and we know that in regards to Isaiah, often the most quoted Old Testament prophet in regards to the New Testament, which's been what's which used, uh, Isaiah is a deep book that foretells the coming of the Messiah. And so the Lord has this belt wrapped around him or is put on, and when it speaks of loins, it often speaks of strength in the Bible. Paul here in regards to the girding is for protection in regards to the battle. But yet, what Christ does, we need to get this. It is His belt of truth that we're putting on that Isaiah refers to, because with the Lord's power, He's defeating His enemies. Remember this. It said a little verse, a few verses up, I believe around verse eleven, that we don't fight. We don't fight against flesh and blood. Our fight. Is against forces and powers powers in the spiritual realm. It's not a matter of you fighting flesh and blood and you getting upset and shaking your fist. No. This is a battle that comes directly from God and it has to be fought by spiritual means. Ephesians chapter four, verse twenty-four. Sister Florence, will you please get Ephesians chapter four? Verse 24. Sister Barbara Douglas, would you please get Ephesians chapter 5, verse 9 regarding truth? All right? Ephesians 4. So, this is what 24 says. And to put on the new self created to be like God in, in true righteousness and holiness. Want me to say it again? And to put on the new self created to be like God. In true righteousness and holiness. Ephesians 5, 9. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. The belt of truth. When you arm yourself, it has to be based on truth. Let me go to number two, the breastplate of righteousness. This protected the Romans from arrows and blows to the chest. The breastplate of righteousness, it protected the soldier from blows that would come to the armor or to the chest. Now, I'll just give you this. I don't have time to go there. Isaiah fifty nine eleven. In the spiritual battle, it is God's righteousness that you must be armed with in the spiritual fight. As I said, we don't wrestle in verse 12. Uh, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. You can also see Romans chapter 3. Verses 21 through 26 for righteousness and God's righteousness. Now some believe that the righteousness that has been referred to is a reference to salvation. It is a reference to salvation. Oftentimes when you hear of righteousness, it's a reference to salvation. So when we talk about putting on the breastplate of righteousness, notice the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness. That which would protect your front part, your area of going forward. When you are in crisis, oftentimes you are not retreating, but you are moving forward. If you turn to run, you often will leave yourself exposed. But there are times when the Bible says that we must flee sin, and we must run. Sometimes there is the requirement and the necessity to run. But get this, when it comes to the spiritual battle that God has laid out, Your battle is a forward battle. It is a battle in which you have to stay in constant vigilance. You have to be very vigilant in regards to what's happening because the battle is coming from the front. Please get this. There are times when the Lord says that you need to flee, but the fleeing oftentimes is very temporary because that means there was immediate danger to you And so the very appearance of evil, sometimes that we have to flee, because that's the best thing that one can do. The breastplate of righteousness. Number three, shoes. Isaiah 52.7 refers to one who brings good news. The Roman soldier wore what was called caliga. It was a type of half boot. This was not so much a weapon, and it's spelled C-A-L-I-G-A. It's it's not so much of a weapon, it it was really used for a long distance or a long journey. The Roman soldier had to travel, and therefore, if you are going to go into battle, and you have to travel a long distance, you need to have the right type of shoes. Paul uses a statement as of putting on one's shoes. The Bible refers to often in Isaiah, chapter 40, verses 9 through 11, the idea of those that bring good news. A person goes to a city, and when their battle was being fought, and the battle was being won, and there was victory, they would have at times a runner that would run to the city, declaring the good news, saying, Peace, the battle has been won, or give a cry out, that there has been peace, we have gained the victory. And so when the Bible talks about the shoes, it is one that is running to share good news. So when you put on your shoes, it is for the purpose of declaring the gospel. Now get this, the good news in regards to the shoe that you put on is what you are to share. You are sharing the gospel. You are sharing the good news of God's word. Isaiah speaks of those that had feet that were on the mountain, even the book of Psalms. How precious, how wonderful, how pretty are the feet of those that bring the good news. When a person that was going into battle, the, the, the soldier, it would oftentimes signify uh, protection for the feet in the travel But it also showed a difference in regards to, I'll just use this as comes to mind now, slaves. Slaves often didn't wear shoes. They would be, they were oftentimes barefoot. When the Lord talks about putting shoes on a person, it oftentimes, it can be a reference to the fact that you have been considered and counted as a son. That you have been grafted in, you have been brought in as a son. Shoes denote that you are a son, and that you can inherit what the father has. So when you have shoes put on you, you are no longer necessarily in the slave state, but you are a son. When we think about shoes, that's often the very last thing you put on before you leave, and you oftentimes need some good shoes. I recall sometimes, only on occasion, I come home when I was in, in going to King. And I was always told that uh, I had flat feet, and my arches fell. I guess they fell. Something fell. I could barely walk. And I'm walking home one day up the hill. Now I know what happened to him. As well. I could barely get it home. Got home. My dad said, uh-huh, I know what the problem is. It's those shoes. You need to have some better shoes. Why did I tell him that? Because for the next couple of days, I had to wear some church shoes to school. <laughs> Embarrassing. There no kid wearing no church shoes or shoes that are hard to school. I didn't want to wear those shoes even though my feet were killing me. But I had to do it. Feet got better. But I have to I have to wear special shoes at times when I'm even when I'm walking because of the feet. So the feet oftentimes is has to be very much cared. But remember, your feet carry the whole load. And sometimes you get home and say, Oh, my feet. Some of y'all even say my corns. But my feet. And some of you then get the Epsom salt and you soak your feet. I'm gonna give y'all a little tip on something. For those who have cracked feet, get some lotion and get some A&D and rub it together. Put them on your feet. Put some socks on to help, to kind of help moisturize them. (laughs) So if you find your feet all cracked and itchy, it's because they dry. Take that for free. I'm about to end in the morning. Y'all ain't got to worry. That's that's just free. That's just free. (laughs) I'm I'm just going to go through one more before ending for today. I'm just going to go through a couple points here on the shield of the shield of faith. This is going to give you a couple points on this one, and I'll come back and finish the others and and move on. The shield of faith, the three articles of clothing that's been mentioned—the belt, the breastplate, and the shoes—deal with those things that go on the body. But the shield of faith is not a body part. The shield of faith, there are two types. Well, I'll see this. This is not the small shield that Paul is talking about. You know, when you're in hand to hand combat and you have a small shield, this would be the the large shield that the soldier would use to protect the entire body. And when the enemy on the other side would dip his arrow in pitch or tar, light it and 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 draw it back and shoot it, that was the most scariest thing for the other enemy or for the soldier. And what a soldier would often, what they would often do, they would then run. They would then turn and they would run and they would make themselves more vulnerable to the fact that there was a fiery arrow coming towards them. But if they kept this breastplate, this huge armor, what would it do? It would quench That fiery arrow that their enemy shot at them. Why? Because the shield itself had already been soaked in water. So that it could extinguish anything that hit it. But what the army sometimes would do when they saw it, they would panic. And they would drop their shield and run. Therefore making themselves more vulnerable. The Bible says that you must take up the shield of faith that you may quench. Why? Because there's going to be all types of arrows coming towards you. Your tendency would then be, because of all that's happening, to run and to leave and to hide, making yourself more vulnerable to the attacks of the enemy. You have the right defense right with you. You have the shield there. But in your panic, you drop it and you leave your protection, and you then become vulnerable to the enemy. It is vitally important that no matter what the enemy brings your way, the fact that you have put on the armor of God and you have taken up these pieces, this is what you need in order to win the battle. No matter what comes your way, remember, you have the armor to quench every fiery dart. We're going to stop right there and pick up next time. Stand to your feet. I, I want you to note as we come to this forest, I'm going to throw this out as we, as we end. Something that I had not seen before, like a few weeks ago, when I, maybe a month now, but I was reading this. While it's not listed as one of the seven, we're going to deal with this. I don't know based on what happens next week. I may deal with it together. That's just me how it happened. But, but I want you to know praying is one of the things that's mentioned as all of these things tied to prayer. I hadn't seen it in the way that I saw it the last time as I, was, I saw the matter of the armor. But prayer. And we're going to deal with that. I want you to know that the Bible has given us what we need to be victorious. Since you already know that you are not in a warfare with flesh and blood. If you don't have the right armor on, you're going to be defeated. If you drop your shield, you're going to be injured. The enemy is not stopping his arrows from flying. In fact, he will use more of them when he sees that you've dropped your weapon. Why? Because you become vulnerable. When you panic and you leave what God has told you and you leave your armor, you are subject to the attacks of the enemy and you're subject to defeat. Right now, God, we pray that you will help us to recognize that as the armor is taken up, the fact of the matter that we have already taken our stand And as we have strapped on the armor, we must stay with the armor. And so when we may have the tendency to run from fear or to let part of the armor down or go because we're feeling down or sad or out or whatever the case may be, may we remember that we can never take off the armor because the enemy is constant and relentless. Keep us today, Lord, and as we leave this place, We pray that you'll protect us in Jesus' name. Amen. May the Lord bless you.